0: Now I'm going to read Hebrews 11 6 without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me say this again without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you cannot come to God with your philosophy. You cannot come to God with your science Even though God is in science Yes he is (laughs) You cannot come to God With these level of measurements To try to justify his existence Right If there's anything I, I know In the book of James It says If you come to God In doubt You cannot expect anything from him
1: Good afternoon. This is the truth of the matter is podcast episode number five. And if it's not good afternoon, it could possibly be good morning or good evening sometime during the night, maybe even. Either or, we have the same cast as always. Myself, your host,
0: Daniel, and my brother, Jonathan. What's going on, man? I'm doing all right, man. Just trying to stay positive. I must admit, yesterday definitely was a pretty rough day for me. But the real question is, you know, how have you been? I know for sure you've been working double time with work, right? How are you feeling?
1: Yeah, it's a a first for me. 84-hour week. Whoa. Um, Two jobs. First time in a supervisor position at one job, so in a leadership position. That's been new. And then at the same time, having been working at the same place for almost three years now, it was also like a relearning process being at a new job. So in a higher position at one place, the new guy in another place, it's been, I don't want to say challenging, but a very good reminder. And at the same time, uh, a very good test for a lot of things that I feel like I've been learning in life recently. So. Yeah, it's it's been a very interesting week. A lot of a lot more grinding than usual, like and a lot less sleep, so yeah. Definitely
0: definitely a learning experience. Okay, cool. I know when I used to do UPS, I used to do the overnight shifts. And that mm-hmm. took me some time of getting used to because right from there I would go right to school. And I must right. admit, a few times I was dozing off in class, didn't stop me from getting an A in that class, but it was definitely an adjustment that I had to make. And in the end, it definitely was good. You know, it was good for me and it was good for what I was hoping to achieve. I was paying my bills and I was handling things that helped me survive in that situation. And I think at the end, you know, I improved. I I definitely became a different person except you know especially with the responsibility and i grew from that situation so i'm pretty sure you know you're gonna experience the same thing here
1: yeah you know it it puts a lot of things into perspective um it also shows you where i believe anyway your strengths and your weaknesses it also shows you what you're capable of and situations you're not fully capable of and also you know forces you to make a lot of adjustments to. And it is a really good thing too because being uncomfortable is is how you tend to learn these situations. So
0: I agree. Yeah. Very so, very different week. Yeah. So in terms of me yesterday, it was pretty rough for me because you know, I was working and I went into the store to pick up an order.
2: I had okay. parked securely in a good place.
0: And when I came back in and I turned my car on, Nothing was coming on. So, multi like, the problems again? <sighs> I wouldn't say that. Like, I've okay. done so much work on a car. I wasn't expecting anything. You know, I wasn't anticipating anything negative to happen. Usually, that's how it starts. But I was upset because I, I put the car in the ignition. I turn it. It's not working. I'm like, <sighs> looks like I got to call AAA. I called AAA. They were about 30 minutes, 35 minutes away. I called my dad just to let him know what was going on. He actually wasn't that far from the area. He came. And the guy came and he checked it. And he's telling me potentially it's the battery. So he, you know, he jumps it. And then he says, leave the car on for a little bit. So I left the car on for a little while. And then I proceeded to drive, and I had a decision to make. I said, am I going home? Am I going to work with this, just don't shut the car off? Or am I going to go to AutoZone because I had a check engine light? So I go, and I say, you know what? Let me go bust this move to AutoZone and find out what the check engine light was. So I pull up at AutoZone. I park it. I go out. I go inside. I speak to Representative. He comes outside. He plugs everything up. And the car shuts down. So immediately I was glad that I made that choice because then I would've been making a second quarter trip away. So what ended up happening is the guy was really nice. So obviously I was upset. I was annoyed. Not, you know, at an all time high as if this was my first rodeo, but definitely one of those things where it's like, I've been in a period of time where nothing has happened to me. Everything's been good. I've always checked my car. I made sure everything was good. So this was like one of those things where it caught me off guard. I was surprised. And come to find out, this battery, the optimum battery, was supposed to be two times better than any battery, turned out to be no good. So the guy Mm -hmm. gave me the cheapest battery there. And at some point today after this, you know, I'm going to take that battery back, get my warranty for it. And, you know, eventually the hope is that I I don't get store credit, but, you know, I get my full money back. So I was glad because a lot of what we talked about in the fourth episode was that the guy was really nice. And I felt as if, you know, that was God giving me a break because not only did the guy install the battery for me, he told me come back the next day or the day after because he's not going to be here today. And he definitely has some pull and he can give me my money back. So. Hopefully, this battery I get now
2: it does what it's supposed to do.
1: Good thing you reacted well to the situation, and you also kept the word with you from the last episode, so that's and found a way to apply it, which is the biggest thing that we want people to do in here right It's just application to yeah. to the lessons, so yeah,
3: yeah, I was Proud glad,
0: and I felt God was with me because you know he gave me a break, he was nice about it. He was calm about it. He didn't just say, well, here's the situation. This is what you have to do. Good luck. But he was definitely hands-on, definitely helpful. And I think he explained to me that the manager that used to have that work there was not a good guy. So mm-hmm. he said all he wants to do is be a, of help and assistance for people that really need it. So I was appreciative of the fact that he understood my situation. And nobody wants to go through that, right? Everybody's trying to go about their day in the most peaceful and the most productive way possible. So when these things come up and they happen, you need someone there that's not going to give you a difficult time. So, you know, I'm just glad that that's over with. And I'm looking forward to completely having this thing closed by tomorrow. So Check. with, yeah, so with all that work you've been doing, right? That's, that's the stage for me to ask you this. How have, have you ever started something and decided to quit or depart, like leave?
1: So I'm the type of person who likes to finish what I start. Mm-hmm. um, Even if it requires me to take more breaks or things than usual like yeah i typically like to finish what i start has that always been the case in the past um i would say like maybe two or three years ago absolutely not it would be more like okay this is getting too stressful or this is getting too frustrating so either i'm just not going to deal with this anymore and you know move on or it would be a situation where it's more of i just come to the understanding that This isn't quitting. This is things coming to its natural end. So whether that's being it's a situation that it's unhealthy for me and the best thing to do would be to walk away rather than just trying to force the situation to work or make it happen. Because sometimes you just come to the realization that, you know, number one, you can do better. Or two, like I said earlier, the situation is unhealthy, so it's best that you walk away from it. And that's not quitting. That's more of you just understanding when things need to be let go of.
0: Okay. Well, it looks like you definitely answered the second question, which was, is which quitting one? a loser's mentality in your eyes or is it justified reasons? But you just definitely um, provided that a little bit. So I'm
1: going okay. to contradict myself a little bit. Oh. If the situation is primed and set for you to... um finish it then if you quit then yeah there's a loser's mentality um i'm -hmm. a huge gamer and there's been many situations where either i'm playing with a team or i'm playing a game that's like i like combat sports so i play a lot of combat sport games as well and those games it's very easy to want to quit and then uh certain mobile games that i play you're gonna be some games can go on for an hour long to 45 minutes. And hmm. usually the beginning stages are very important in terms of being able to gain advantages and being able to um, set yourself up for long term success. But a lot of people, when things tend to go wrong, immediately want to quit. They want to surrender or they don't have the, the conviction needed to carry out the mission, you know, to execute the mission of, of winning the game or accomplish the objective. And in those situations, it's like you're set up to there will be opportunities for you to come back. There will be opportunities for you still to win. And this is the same thing in combat sports or the same thing if you've ever sparred or or fought or done any gone after anything in your life. Those situations where it's like, hey, you have the, every opportunity to finish this. If you quit, that is absolutely a loser mentality. So.
0: OK. Pretty detailed what? answer. I respect
1: it. Yeah, if it's well, seem, you seem a bit
0: serious like, there.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm very <laughs> passionate about that. Um, like for example, this week, right? Okay. I'm working with uh, I, I'm supervising a team for the first time, but I'm not the only um supervisor there for this little eight week project that we're doing, and it's a very dysfunctional situation. There's no leadership. No. The, the person who's in charge of everything isn't a real leader. And everybody's kind of doing everything for the first time. So there's a lot of finger pointing going on. There's a lot of the blame game. There's a lot of people not wanting to take accountability. And nobody really wanted to be, no one really wanted to step up and just be honest. You know, we we talk about uh, transparency, Christianity on this podcast, right? There's A lot of people who don't want to be transparent because nobody wants to accept the blame so this is one of those situations where it'd be very easy to quit but at the same time you can also look at it and be like hey this is one of those situations where it's just unhealthy and there's not really too much pull that you have in it so what what would you think? Would you stick this thing out? Would you walk away from it? Do do you think these are one of those situations where it's like, hey, you should just quit and just walk away from the dysfunctionality? Or is it one of those situations where somebody just needs to step up and take uh, accountability? What do you think?
0: Well, to me, it depends on the person, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, for me, I think in situations like this, you really find out who you are as a person, whether or not you can handle pressure, whether or not you can overcome. I know when I worked for UPS, that was probably one of the most physical demanding jobs I've ever had. And to them, it's all about loading a particular number within a certain short period of time. And Mm -hmm. for them, that's how they classify whether or not you will be kept on the job. And I used to laugh because they had me loading, and they was paying me eleven or twelve dollars an hour, right? Making it seem as though the 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 job that you were performing, right, was at such a demand that you were being paid significantly enough in order for you to perform it at a well pace. Not realizing that we definitely were not being paid by the box, right? So in those moments, I persevered. In those moments, I dug deep. In those moments, I felt like some of that helped me become a man. And in those moments, to me, I thrived because the demand in terms of the performance that was needed required a lot of effort. And let me tell you, I used to work a lot. Sometimes I would take the approach as if I was exercising, and therefore it made the job much more entertaining from a personal standpoint. So when I did that job, you know, I found a way to take the positive out of it. I ignored the negative and I thrived in that moment to do what I thought was best. And that was to perform the job at the highest level, to do all that I can do to actually perform it in a way where I would have no regrets leaving. So I think it's different for everyone. Some people will go and be in the middle of that moment and quit. Right. Because they're like, I'm not doing this. I don't need this. Right. Mm -hmm. Some people will be like, depending on how you talk to me, will determine whether or not I'm going to, you know, give any effort or not. Right. Everybody does not accept those sort of things. And some people do. So I think it depends on the person. And I think in the end, it has its benefits. So without question, I'm not going to put too much information in that other than the fact it depends on the person. Good answer.
1: Yeah. I think that's the thing to take away from all this. Circumstances play a very huge role in whether or not you do quit or you do lose.
0: Yep, I agree. I definitely agree.
2: Yeah, so the discussion today
0: obviously comes out of First John. But before we get into that, you know, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. We thank you for the air in our lungs because it's with your breath that we have the gift of life. We thank you for our existence because in him, Jesus, we live, move, and have our being. We ask that you open up our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, And our minds to understand what you have for us today. Bless each and every one of us. We say these things with confidence in you that you will reveal more of yourself today. In Jesus' name we
2: pray. Amen. Amen. So first
1: John chapter two, verse nineteen reads, They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they have belonged to us, They would have remained with us. But they're going to show that none of them belong to us.
0: Yeah, so this text speaks to those who at some point had faith in God and believed, But just like most, and just like anyone, you can change your mind, right? You don't have to believe anymore. In fact, they decided to deny the faith and deny the son. And what he is offering, which is eternal life. So today, you know, I want to have a conversation with you about faith. You know, is faith a conviction or a preference? And why we should trust God. So faith from a worldly point of view. Is to have complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Now, faith. For most people
2: take place from a humanistic perspective when they're dealing
0: with friends, family, partners. And it takes place a lot in the political realm, you know, politics. What tends to happen with those types of relationships is that it's all based upon circumstances that arrive, right? Things that change and everyone isn't sincere with their intentions. In fact, promises are made and then broken. Ex- expectations are expected. And guess what? They aren't met. So that leads me to want to contextualize and historize the text and look at some definitions of some words, right? Because a lot of us, some, to some degree, we look at words in terms and we don't have a complete understanding in how they play a role, especially when it comes to you personally. So I figured, you know, we look up some words and we get a clear indication of them. And in fact, some words I have here are defined more than once. So let's look at the word promise. So promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. Another definition is to assure someone that will Definitely do give or arrange something. Undertake or declare that something will happen. And let's look at the third one I have here. Giving good grounds for expecting a particular occurrence or situation. Let's look at expectation. A strong belief that something will happen or will be in the case in the future. Now, one thing I've learned about people, right is that they're flawed, they aren't perfect on one end, they can be selfless, and at other times they're selfish. It's really hard to predetermine what you're going to get honestly. Some people are resentful while others are arrogant and aren't willing to accept responsibility or accountability of the mistakes they may make, so knowing what people are to
2: do, or what to expect from family, and so on.
0: I've always learned to leave room for error and failure, right? For people to meet those certain requirements that I'm expecting. I think you have to do that because it helps your mental state, because everyone isn't consistent. And to expect people to have a mentality and approach as you do isn't realistic. In fact, I think it's fool's gold. So let me give you an example. And this situation happened today. Basically, sometimes I have conversations with Jen at a certain time and it gets late. And one of the things that happens is she coaches basketball in the morning, early in the morning. So I'm an early bird. I'm up early. I'm usually studying, reading scripture or watching TV. and I understand because we're talking late, this can compromise her ability to get to work on time, right? So what I would do is I would say, hey, since I'm up at that time, I'll give you a call or I'll send you a text so that you can get up, so that you're not late. Because I understand that engaging in dialogue late or extremely early, that some people will put it, can compromise her ability to do what she has to do. Now, what some people will do is you put your trust in me that I'm going to call you. Others will put their trust in me and expect me to call them. Now, I have two choices there. I can call you and wake you up. Or I can not call you and not wake you up. And then you can say to me, hey, I thought she was going to call me. And then, as I'm talking about, people that aren't resentful will be like, listen, you knew talking to me was a price. And therefore, talking to me as a price means that if I can't wake you up or I'm not up at that particular time, I'm not going to reach out to you. And whatever happens to you, happens to you. But you understood what the rules were of engagement while talking to me. Where for me, I apologize because she missed the morning meeting, but she didn't miss the game, she was late to the morning meeting. But I took accountability because I realized that she told me towards the end that she thinks she'll get up on time. So I was up early and I decided not to give her a call. And in return, she was a little late. So I apologize. I said, it's, you know, some way, somehow I make up for it. But that's what I mean about accepting accountability. That it's your fault. You played a role in this. You're not innocent in this. Obviously, it's her job to get up. That's understandable. But there was trust that was placed in me to fulfill an obligation to get her up on time. And if I turned out on his head and said, well, in the end, is the ball's really in your court. Then that's me acting as if I never played a role in it. So what do you think, Dan, when it comes to this?
1: This particular situation or just in general?
0: Just in general, in terms about, you know, the idea of promises and keeping promises and expectations. Like, what are your experience with people and them maintaining those things of, you know, those things when it comes to engagement with them?
1: I don't expect anything from anyone. I never put my trust. And anyone to handle things that I'm supposed to handle. And the main reason for that is because expectations expectations are dangerous. Mm. Very dangerous. So the only thing only expectations I have are for
2: myself. And that's it. I've done
1: I've worked with other people Mm -hmm. on projects. Trusting someone is a completely different situation i believe than expectations but the only person i feel like if you should expect anything of is yourself
2: that's it good point
0: so when it comes to me and i speak for myself you know i try to uphold a certain standard and that is my consistency has to align with my character so when i say something you know i mean what i say and i say what i mean i always tell people that if I'm getting ready to meet with them, 90% of the time, if we have some sort of plans or an arrangement, I'll be there, right? 90, 97% of the time. 1% is weather conditions, The other 1% is a family emergency. And the last 1% is if my car breaks down, right? Something happens to my car. Those are the three reasons why I probably will not fulfill an obligation that I have with somebody mm mm-hmm. yeah so about so, that right okay sure
3: want to say this i
1: think a lot of the time when it comes to especially with planning mm-hmm. um this is one of the funny things that i find that people have about expectations or people keeping their word okay i watch people's actions and not so much what they say because a person can say whatever they want to you, but if you have a track record, for example, of not showing up on time to places, and then I expect you to show up to a place because you said you'll be there at like let's say ten thirty a.m. Mm-hmm. If I put my trust in you to do that, um, that makes me a fool. That's fool's <laughs> goal right there, because you show me through history, repeatedly, that you are going to be late. Every single time we're supposed to meet someplace. So this is where, see, I want to be like um, an architect in the future, right?
3: Okay. That's interesting. That's a new one.
1: Yeah. So I've you, you've you always noticed me watching like uh, remodeling houses and, and stuff like that, right? So I want to yeah. draw out the plans and stuff for the houses. So Whoa. that's kind of what an architect does. Or, you know, it could be like a building or, you know something in Mm -hmm. the city you come up with the plans for it so the thing with architecture or just you know if you're remodeling houses and stuff is yeah you have a contingency right you have Mm -hmm. a little consent you have a contingency plan just in case if when you're doing the remodel uh you go over budget of what you think you're going to spend to you know replace floors paint walls get furniture uh there may be some type of structural issue um, maybe, like, a pillar needs to be, or a beam needs to be put in place, right?
3: hmm
1: Or it's going to cost you some extra money to do some framework. Or let's say there's a problem with, like, a slab or, you know, a structural issue. That's when you dip into the contingency so that you can cover the cost of whatever is going to happen. This way, you don't have to explain to the client why they're going to have to kick out some extra money. Mm-hmm. But if you are doing some type of, you know contracting or you know building a house and then you go in there with no contingency planning you think well everything's just gonna go well and then you peel back the walls and then all of a sudden you know there's a problem with the electrical and you don't have a plan for that that's your fault so hmm. it's no different with people not showing up on time for things if you know a person has a certain type of you know action or you know if they perform a certain action continuously and then you just trust that they're gonna they're gonna do it anyway go. All
0: right. Goal. Well said. Well said. I, I completely agree with you. And that was a beautiful example. I can't agree anymore. I definitely agree with what you have to say there. So obviously there's an issue when it comes to trusting or having expectations with humans. But I wouldn't say that with God. And, and this is why I say that. Right. So let's look at the biblical definition of faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to read the King James Version, and I'm going to read the NIV Version. So the King James Version says, Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hopeful and the evidence of things not seen. The NIV Version says, Being sure of what we hope for and certain. Of what we do not see. Again. Being sure. Of what we. Hope for. And certain. Of what we do not see. So one of the major issues. People have with God. Is they want proof of his existence. The problem with that obviously. Is there are so many standards. And expectations. People want to know. What does that look like? So. What I would say is. I would. Point people to Romans chapter 1 verse 20. It says for since the creation of the world. God's invisible qualities. His internal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood. What has been made. So that people are without excuse. So obviously some people believe. That the world was created by a mistake right. That mistake is called the big bang. That. That is, you know, humanity's way of neglecting God's existence. But for us, biblically, we understand that God is the official mover, the creator, the cause of all the things that have happened. And obviously, he can't be the cause in terms of there can't be no one that caused him because he is eternal. He is beginning and the end. He's the creator of all things. He is time itself. So we are under the belief. That no one created him. And obviously that's extremely difficult for most people to comprehend. And that's always going to be challenging, right? But if there's anything that I've learned and came to understand when I became a believer, is that God is not a God that must be proven. But instead, I've learned that He must be revealed. Now, the reason I say that is because no matter what, right, and I've learned this with human beings, the standard. The goalpost is constantly being moved. So here's what I mean, right? Take a look at Jesus' story, right? In his time, he did several miracles, right? He hid the sick. He gave sight to the blind. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. For most, I would believe that that would be enough, right? Like he's done all these miracles. He's provided insight. What more do you want? That wasn't enough, right? The Jews wanted signs. In fact, those were signs, and yet they didn't believe. In fact, they called him demon possessed and said that he wasn't God's son, right? And at the time, you know, Jesus' response was that if you don't believe in me, believe the works, that you may understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. And what was happening there is if you go to John 10, 30, he says, I and God, are one. I and God are one. So he was affiliating himself, being on the same level as God. And they call that blasphemy. And they were going to stone him, right? Because they didn't understand. So here's a story. Last week, what I did was I referenced some stories, and I say you should read them on your own. But today, we're actually going to read the stories, right? So Jesus spoke about a story, the rich man and Lazarus.
1: So this can be found Luke chapter, uh, Luke 16, chapter uh, verse 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead.
0: Good read. Good read. So what do you think of this story, Daniel?
1: I remember this one from when we were like six, man. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this story so well.
0: (laughs) So so what do you think uh... the main point is here?
1: This is why I said what I said about people taking accountability for things and okay. putting their trust in, 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 in people. It's actually because of this story.
0: Oh, you could really?
1: look somebody directly in the face, tell them something, and then if you believe it without recognizing the patterns of what it is that they do and don't do, then that's just on you. <laughs> i like, I really can't put it any other way. There's been so many situations that just occurred throughout my life where i just I see this every single time. You could tell somebody something they won't listen, you can send somebody with um a good reputation, and they still are gonna believe- what they wanna believe regardless so
0: mhm yep yeah, so that's the story what it just is always and the- backs it up mhm- and that's really what it is and the person. That has been risen from death is guess who? It's Jesus. And now they still don't believe him. Right? Even when Jesus came and he I remember the story <laughs> when they were talking about the the vineyard. Mm-hmm. And that's a different story. It's a, it's a it's a similar con it's a similar concept where it says that I will send my son and they know who he is. And then they still did what they did to him. So the the point really here is mm-hmm. that. <laughs> is that when it comes to showing somebody what the truth is and pointing them in the direction of the truth is, people still don't believe, right? Jesus brought a man back from the dead, right? His name was actually Lazarus, and this is in John chapter 11, right? And anyone who wants to read that story, they're entitled. We're not going to read that story today. But again, if you want to read it, it's in the Gospel of John chapter 11. and. Guess what? They didn't believe in him either. Nope. Many times people still question him and wonder where he got his power. In fact, there's a story in Matthew chapter 8, verses 24 through 27.
1: Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown, he replied. You have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Heck, his own disciples still had a hard time believing in him.
0: Yep. So and they that's were the with problem. the
1: man at the start of his ministry to the very end of it, which was three and a half years. And they still didn't believe in him.
0: Yeah, that's a good point, Daniel. That, that's what's really going on is that here you have a man who was performing miracles, who was controlling the wind and nature itself. And people still question it. People still didn't believe. People still found reasons to question it, right? And here's the last text here, if you don't mind. Uh, gospel of john fourteen eight to 11
1: lord show us the father and that will be enough for us jesus answered don't you know me philip even after i have been among you such a long time anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father don't you believe that i am in the father and that the father is in me The words I say to you, do I not speak on my own authority? Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves.
0: Yeah, so even when it came down to his death and resurrection, right? They still didn't believe. (laughs) Mary (laughs) told them He was resurrected And it still didn't matter Right It wasn't until Thomas Felt the palm of his hand Where he was nailed And the thorn Well I wouldn't say the thorn But where they stuck him on the cross He felt his sigh Then they believed So the biggest issue is that There was a lack of faith And belief Right And it is to this very day. Nothing has changed. One of the reasons why I'm so fixated on people reading their Bibles is because that is where God reveals himself. He revealed himself to me when I read the Bible. I got a deeper understanding of that. So I want us to look at Luke chapter 24. And Daniel, you take over from here.
1: The road to Emmaus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther, but they urged him strongly. Stay, stay with us, for it's, it's nearly even. The day is almost over. So he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, "Were not our hearts burning within us?" Why he talked with us on the road
0: and opened the scriptures to us. So, yeah, this story is really getting in great detail that Jesus, just like us, have to be reminded of the scriptures. See, the scriptures help provide insight to what has transpired. It also provides hope and understanding of what it is that we needed to remind ourselves of. And Jesus here is reminding them of not just what the Messiah said, which he himself was the Messiah, but he's reminding them that, hey, these things were expected to happen. These things needed to happen. These things happened because. And he pointed to how all the verses in the scriptures are relatable and shine light on him. So it wasn't until he sat with them and fellowship with them so that it became abundantly clear that he was revealed to them you know, so he didn't prove
2: that.
0: what happened
1: how, how how funny is god to like yeah
2: so he he obviously could have yeah he obviously
0: <laughs> could have told them and proved that he was him But what he did was he reminded them, just like what I was explaining to people about reading your Bible, to remind you of the word helps you understand what you've understood this whole entire time. This is why I don't understand some people that say, I don't need to read the Bible. Oh, I'm spiritual. Oh, I don't need to. Yes, you do. Because just like anybody else, you forget. You run into challenges, you run into problems. And sometimes in the midst of that issue or that circumstance or that situation, you're acting instantly and that instantly action that you might perform could be deadly, right? It could cost you life, can cause you jail time, can cause you problem. You could blow something out of proportion, but having that word constantly instilled in you to monitor the way that you think, the way that you act, the way that you respond is necessary here and that's why i love this passage is because jesus was with them throughout the whole period of time showing them in the scripture how these things were destined to happen how he prophesized about it right Caiaphas, who was a, ch- a priest prophesized about how there would be one man that would die for an entire nation not just the jews so you know text like this helps you understand that god is not a god That needs to be proven. He needs to be revealed. And he's only revealed to those who have an urge, right, to want to learn about him. So when it comes to faith, it's based upon reason, trust. When Jesus says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's showing the limitations of human beings. And he's showing the way in which there are no limitations for God. Because all things are possible, right? It is. It helps you also understand the future understanding that God is able to carry out His purpose and to do superly, abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us, right? So when the Holy Spirit is planted inside of you, your ability to do all things through Christ who strengthens you your ability to overcome problems and issues and circumstances is all rooted because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It assists you with that, right? The Bible says that God is spirit and therefore is one of the ways in which we understand what God is. But the Bible says that he is the beginning and the end, which means he's time itself, right? Which means that he was and is and is still to come. So we have to understand that The way that we engage and understand things come from a place of what we see on the surface. But to understand and comprehend God, faith allows us to operate in a place where God is outside the time zone. So our faith merged with God's essence allows the things that seem to be impossible to become possible. Let me say that again. faith. In God, trust in God, a person who is capable, a spirit that is capable of doing anything beyond what you can think, believe, or imagine takes place where you put your trust in who he is and what he is about. And therefore, what seems impossible becomes possible. If everything had to be measured in a way that we measure it, guess what? There would be no reason for hope. Why? Because that means all the things that you are trying to do is being done by your will. But there are limitations when it comes to your will. You know, I love it when Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 18, he says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So the things that people focus on is they want proof. But what they have to understand is, and I think it's so beautifully put in Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visual. So God is operating behind the scenes, so much so that who he is, his very essence, what he is, is not visual to the human eye. In fact, it tells us in Colossians, right, and I believe it's Colossians two nine, that Jesus embodied the fullness of God, right? And I'm paraphrasing the fullness of God, right? And God chose Jesus as the person He was going to operate through. Now I'm going to read Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me say this again: without faith. It is impossible to believe or is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So you cannot come to God with your philosophy. You cannot come to God with your science, even though God is in science. Yes, he is. You cannot come to (laughs) God with these level of measurements to try to justify his existence. Right, If there's anything I, I know in the book of James, it says, if you come to God in doubt, you cannot expect anything from him. Let me say that again. If you come to God with doubt, you cannot accept anything. You cannot expect anything from him. Because when there's faith, there's an absence of doubt. When doubt is at the forefront, there's an absence of faith. Right in the book of James it says it's like looking at the mirror, remembering what you look like, walking away, and then totally forgetting what you look like. You have to come to God in faith and trust and belief in who He is. And I think so often we negate that. We don't give it any credence. We don't give it any value, and then we're operating from a completely different place. And that to me is where it becomes problematic. And that is probably some of the reasons why God is not present with some of you. is because you don't have any belief and any trust. And reading your Bible helps you build that trust.
3: That reason, faith that you have.
2: So,
1: why should we trust God then?
3: Mm. Well,
2: before
0: you say that, right? I think a lot of Things that people ask is, is faith a conviction or a preference? And a conviction is something that is unchangeable, right? That means that it's firmly held regardless of the circumstances. Whereas a preference is something that's changeable, which means you have the right to change your mind with new information and speculation. So just to make a few comments here, right? When it comes to having a conviction, that means that you are convinced that what is true is true based upon how much effort and time and energy you've placed in it. A preference is something where you have doubt, you're not sure, and because of that, you can't hold on to anything because with new information that somebody might present to you, you might not believe it. You might question it. You might not accept it. So the question becomes Is your faith in God a conviction? Because if it's a conviction, then guess what? That verse we read in the beginning, if they went out from us, they really didn't belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Explains that they never belonged to us. That means that your faith in God was never a conviction, but it was a preference. And if it's a preference, That means that you have one foot in and one foot out the door. Which means that to some degree you believe, but in some degree you don't believe. Which means at reality you don't believe because nothing in you shows or explains that you have conviction in what it is. And I think that is what determines whether a person is going to quit or whether a person is going to remain. And I think that's something that we have to understand and we have to remember. That in the end, Jesus says that if you deny me in front of men or others, I will deny you in front of my father. So when you're picking something, there are consequences. When you make a choice, there are consequences. And I say there are consequences because anyone that suffers for righteousness is good in God's sight, God's sight. Anyone that suffers for righteousness is good in God's sight. It's a verse that I always remember when Jesus says, "Fear not the one who can take the body, but fear the one who can take the soul and the body." And that's God. So obviously that's a verse that's very tough to process because that means that no matter what is done to me, I'm going to believe, right? And I think we in living in America we live with benefits. Why? Because we have the freedom to believe in whatever we want to believe. Where in other places, you're crucified, you're killed, you're murdered because you believe in something. And that might not be what they believe. And therefore, they'll take you out. So we should be thankful that we have the ability. And I think that's what a lot of people love about America is having the ability to believe whatever you want. And not suffer consequences for them. In other areas, not so much. So for them, having a conviction and operating in a preference is very challenging. Because some of them are believing in things that aren't what they believe, but they're doing that in fear of losing their life. Whereas for us, we're able to practice those things and
2: not fear death. So to answer your question,
0: why should we Believe in God or trust God, correct? That's your question, right? Why should we trust God? Correct. So I'm going to answer that with a few verses. Hebrews thirteen eight. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Which means that if you depart from the faith and it's a preference, God's not going to change. He's the same. You come back, he's there in open arms. It's a story of the 99 sheep. And even though... He has 99 sheep. He goes back and gets the other one. So God doesn't have a problem doing that. Right? He's always going to be there. First Corinthians 4.33 says, God is not the author of confusion of peace. Right? He's not the author of confusion, but he's of peace. Which means that he's not here to confuse you. He's not here to make you doubt him. He's there to provide understanding, but you have to do your part in understanding it. And then I have 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. It says, here is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. That goes to the verse I was saying about if we deny him in front of people or men, he will deny us in front of our father. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. That goes to me saying that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not change. And then the ending point says, for he cannot disown himself. And then I want to read Ephesians one, thirteen to 13-14. When you heard the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the internal inheritance, the promise that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. So one of the reasons why we should trust God is because a sign of that trust that he will fulfill what he said, right? That he is not a liar, right? God is not a liar. And therefore, he will fulfill it. And the reason why we have belief and trust in that is because we have evidence of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the sign of truth. And that's the reason why we should trust God. Now, finally, the last thing I want to say, right? Because that verse I read in the beginning of 1 John, all of this. As to this last statement, right? And I want to just read this to you so you get understanding. And this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and I'm going to read. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, Unforgiving, slanderous, without self control, brutal, not lovers of God, of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, having nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who warn their way into homes and gain control over gullible women, who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Away learn, always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Just as James and Jambles oppressed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. And they are men of deprived minds, who as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, because, as in the case of those men, their
2: folly will be clearer to everyone. So I want to make
0: it clear that when you depart from the faith, understand you could be among one of these people. Let me say that again. When you depart from the faith, you become a law of yourself. And you could be among these people. And it can become abundantly clear. So understand that the option that we have to be believers and to be followers of Christ, we are protected and shielded. And God is there and has support from us. So when it comes to faith, remember, faith is the substance of things hopeful, the evidence of things not seen. You have a better chance at trusting God, and you can grow in your trust in him when you read his word. The more you read his word, the more you understand him, the more you understand him, the less things become confusing and it becomes more abundantly clear. So I want to close out in prayer. I hope you've got something today. And I hope it helps you in the present, in the future as well. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you so much for this opportunity for us to touch hearts and minds of people all around the world who's given this podcast an opportunity and a chance to reach them. I want you to shield them from any hurt, harm, and danger. I want you to be with them, just as you are with us today. Protect us during the week. Keep us safe. Watch over us. Bless our mind. Let us stay positive. Let us not succumb to evil intentions. Let us not succumb to evil thoughts. But let us be rooted in your word. Lord, we thank you for each and every one who is listening. And just as you say, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I ask, Lord, that you touch each and every one and that you shield them and you watch over them. Protect their families. Protect their minds. Protect their hearts. Lord, we say these things in total confidence in who you are, knowing that you're Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, creator of all things. And more importantly, Lord, I ask that as we go out into the world, that each and every one of us who are representing you, let us represent you in the most positive way possible. Let us provide an experience just like I have that your love is implanted in us and that we should love one another the way that you have loved us. So I thank you again. And I ask, Lord, that you continue to be a present help during our time of need, no matter what those circumstances are. That if we need rest, that you will provide rest. For your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, let us think about such things that are true, noble, pure, right, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy Let us focus on those things. And let us always remember that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We say these things in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen.